Which happens, dads leave. No need to be a pussy about it. Here's what I need. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the episode of Cinema Shot. I'm your host, Ben, a.k.a. The Marvelous Iggy. And oh my god, Tyler, why are you glowing? Oh, uh, I, I didn't think he'd notice. Uh, I just contracted a, um, a great new superpower. Uh, someone told me that it is a retrovirus, though I am not inclined to believe them at this juncture. The important thing is, now I can breathe fire. Ah! <laughs> oh, God, everything's on fire. Fatality. Uh, <laughs> um, we, this is, uh, we are now in, uh, welcome back to the cinema shop. We are now in phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe in a post-Avengers world now. Everything has literally changed after the battle for New York. Um, now, uh, Tyler, uh, let's talk about the pre-hype for this one. Now, now we are, now the Avengers have happened. That apex moment that we were waiting for since 2008, when it was first announced, happened. How did you feel going into, because this is the first MCU movie since then. We had to wait a whole fucking year before the next chapter of the Marvel Cinematic Universe came out. Like, I wasn't too bent out of shape out, uh, about it. I've seen the Avengers the year to come out, apparently, uh... Fortunately, it was it dropped on Netflix uh, the same year that uh, it launched in theaters, so I was able to catch it when the hype was still fresh. Um, and around this time, uh, my favorite hero from the MCU was still Iron Man, and uh, upon hearing that there's going to be a third Iron Man movie coming out next year, I was excited to see it. So um, this was the first Phase 2 movie that I saw in theaters, and the first one in a while that I've seen in theaters since... Um, I want to say The Incredible Hulk. Okay. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, fair enough. Uh, all right, so uh, I remember being really excited also because um, I was an Iron Man fan before the movies came out. Not a long one, but like maybe like two years prior. And um, I was excited for this movie. My own personal hype was the fact that they were finally putting in the Mandarin in this movie. Because the Mandarin, for anybody who doesn't... delivers... I'm not going to say any more after Every, Everybody knows. If you, especially if you've seen Shang-Chi. You, you know the spoiler by now. But I remember um, this, this, like, being, this was going to be controversial because the Mandarin, for, if you don't know Tyler, is, you know, that it's Chinese. It's man, man, you know, um, and, and here he's clearly not. And, you know, maybe they're thinking they didn't want to piss off China, all this other stuff. Um, and everything. We, we don't. Re- we won't ever really know the answer to that because they'll never give that answer. But I still remember being excited because, like, okay, this version of the Mandarin seems interesting, and it looked like they were like playing up the sort of like epic trilogy finale kind of thing. I remember the trailer is one of the bigger set pieces in the movie, which is Tony Stark's house getting blown up. Um, so I was like, oh shit, it's it's gonna be real. Um, let's go ahead and break it down before we break it down. Uh, this was directed by Shane Black, which is uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s longtime collaborator. Uh, this is the first time uh, John Favreau is officially out directing wise in the MCU. He's going to stay as a producing uh, role, but he is not. He did not direct this movie. It's Shane Black, which is why it takes place during Christmas. How do you know Shane Black directed a movie? It takes. Does it take place in Christmas time? Ninety percent of the time, Shane Black directed it. Um, that makes way too much sense. Yeah, this is the. I, this I like to call this the Marvel Cinematic Universe's Christmas movie. Um, because it takes place around Christmas time. Uh, this it's is the diehard of the MCU. Exactly. Um, this is screenplay by Sean, uh, Shane Black and Drew Pierce. Of course, this is based on the Iron Man comics, based on Stanley, Don Heck, Larry Lieber, and Jack Kirby. Produced by Kevin Feige. 
This was uh, released on May 3rd, 2013, so almost a year to the day of Avengers. Um, with a runtime of 131 minutes, a budget of $200 million, and a box office of $1.2 billion. That's, that's quite a... It's huge! That's, I think that's bigger than Iron Man 2. Um, and then our cast... Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is back as Tony Stark Iron Man. Gwyneth Paltrow is back as Peppa Potts. Don Cheeto uh, is back as Rhodey. Slash now the Iron Patriot. Find out why. Uh, we have a new villain or new character, Guy Pierce, a.k.a. As Aldrich Killian, who I always confuse with Val Kilmer, but it's not Val Kilmer, it's Guy Pierce. Um, Rebecca Hall is Maya Hansen. Stephanie Sosiek is Alan Brandt. Uh, and I believe all these are a whole bunch of. Um, uh, minor characters, so I'm not going to really name them. John Favreau is back as Happy Hogan, and of course uh, Ben Kingsley is the Mandarin. Um, uh, I'm not going to say his real name in case you haven't seen it, and of course Paul Bettany is back as Jarvis. He's about to get a major upgrade in about three movies? Three movies, something like that. Um, so yeah! Uh, no spoilers... Iron Man 3 is very controversial among Iron Man fans, among MCU fans. Some say it's the best one, some say it's dog shit. What do you think, Tyler? No spoilers, go for it. Uh, in terms of, like, uh, quality between the three Iron Man movies with that title, I think this one sits uh, perfectly well in the middle, in all honesty. Like, it's not bad, but it's not super great either. Uh, and we'll get more into it as we go further into it. Uh, for me, I I, le- I remember as an initial fan, especially because of what happens, I hated it. I was like, "This is bullshit. This is why all this fucking waiting for this for this particular moment, and this is what I fucking get." Um, and uh, and the but the more over the years, uh, I've um. Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, I was just, somebody sent me a fucking message and it threw me off. Um, over the years, um, I've softened on it. I, I, and I definitely lean towards, like, it's probably my favorite of, of the movie. I think because it doesn't have that manicness that the first two ones have, and I love that in Iron Man 1, maybe not so much in Iron Man 2, but this one just felt like a more cohesive narrative, but also keeping in with Tony Stark's sharp wit and um, just the sort of like general chaos that surrounds him in his life. Yeah. Um, and of course, I like the villain too. Uh, also, this is an adaptation. This is like the first like actual adaptation of a comic storyline, which is Extremis. Um, that's what the kind of plot revolves around. There's a big minor change that doesn't happen to Tony Stark, which I'll talk about as we get into it. But let's go ahead and break down the plot. So uh, initially, we start back in the past. I believe in the year December thirty first, nineteen eighty nine, as... right before uh, the new the new year of uh, two thousand, and you know it right away because I'm blue. Baba D Baba Die is playing, and you can't go anywhere in nineteen ninety nine two thousand without hearing that fucking song. Exactly. So um, Tony Stark is parting with who we now later is Maya Hansen. Uh, we see Happy with the, the best fucking mullet in in the fucking world, which is great. Uh, and we see uh, basically the the early uh, stages of what she would use for her uh, initiative called uh, Extremis. During this, um, uh, Tony's run into a man by the name of Aldrich Killian, who's kind of a little awkward, kind of like think think Quasimodo looking, um, who promote uh, talks to him about 
offering a place in this company known as Advanced Idea Mechanics or the famous Marvel villain group AIM. Um, and of course, now we fast forward to the future, and this movie is basically Tony dealing with the fallout from the Avengers in that um, mostly from the wormhole um, that that Tony has been suffering. And I want let's just say canonically this is a year removed like roughly a year removed from the MCU I don't know if they actually get a year give or take yeah Uh, and Tony has been or at least six months right because it's Christmas time not a year because Avengers wasn't taking place during Christmas Um, so six let's just say six like a couple maybe a couple months Um, and Tony is dealing with the fallout Um, we see him at a bar with Rhodey and a kid uh, talks to him asks him about the wormhole and Tony fucking freaks out and Tony has various anxiety attacks. Um, mostly, I think a lot of it has to do with... The, we'll talk about it, but like, basically, his world got a whole lot bigger than he expected. And he doesn't know how to deal with it. Um, because before, he would just build something, and that was it. Problem solved, his suavicarium. Now, we live in a world with giant green monsters, dudes with electrical hammers who come from space... Uh, a 90 year old literal gods and demons yeah a 90 year old super soldier um, and in spy agencies like his his world has flipped them on itself also there may or may not be more aliens out there who want to hurt the earth so he's dealing with all that baggage also with the fact that he nearly died in space alone without the fraction of a fucking second um so you have that that's the sort of the main plot character arc for Tony Stark the second plot is the sinister the Mandarin as he talks like this Mr. President it will be a very good yeah it will be a very good Christmas for you um and and stuff like that who's basically it's a riff on uh Middle Eastern terrorism where he's like it's video threats it's a lot of that you know you see the typical footage and you know the Mandarin's clearly not Chinese this time he is Supposed to be of Middle Eastern descent. We never really get an actual nationality, although for the whatever. Um, and so you have those two plots, and now Rhodey is no longer War Machine. The United States government decided to paint him the fuck up and call him the Iron Patriot. Which, fun fact, the Iron Patriot was a recent Marvel creation. And do you know who piloted the Iron Patriot in the comics? I can only fathom a guess. Norman Osborn. Um, was, wow. Yeah. I never would have guessed that. Yeah, he, minor tangent, around this time, a little bit, actually about three years before this, is how long this movie was in production. The Iron, um, basically, Osborne was given the keys to the, to, to the security, National Security Kingdom, and took over S.H.I.E.L.D., and, um, basically, uh, became, um, uh, what Nick Fury was, and he took over Stark Tech, and got his uh, and got his uh, and, and rebranded Iron Man as Iron Patriot. So there you go. So I'm just imagining him getting kicked out of Shield and going, you know how much I sacrificed. Pr- pretty much. Well, um, <laughs> what I can't even remember what happened to him after it. It's been so long since I read it. But either way, so that's where that comes from. It's like it's nice little like. It doesn't match up. Who cares? Um, it makes sense for the U.S. government to do that shit. So, you have two running storylines, and at first they don't seem to meet. Tony's kind of dealing with his shit. Pepper is now fully in charge of, of, of Stark Industries, who she meets with Aldrich Killian, and he proposes the same thing. She proposes, He proposes the same thing to Pepper, and she's like, eh, we don't really feel like that. Pepper, uh, not Pepper, um, 
uh, oh god, Happy uh, spots uh, one of the one of his dudes. Um, uh, um, he's like very suspicious of him, uh, which I believe this bald dude is is like supposed to be an homage to the main villain of the actual Extremis storyline because it's just a bald dude named Malin. So um, he's nothing special. He's just a bald guy who gets Extremis powers. And Happy follows him to the Chinese theater, and unfortunately, Happy gets put into a coma, um, and which kind of which really sucks. Uh, but that basically spurns Tony Stark to go on national television and go, "Bring it on, Mandarin! You fucking piece of shit! You put my friend in a coma." To which the man, and that's mistake number one. Yeah, never dox yourself to a supervillain. Yeah. Also, Tony Stark is not is um, practicing. Also, Tony is. Another plot is Tony's, like, tinkering so much with the armor, he's learned how to put on the armor without any kind of, like, um, apparatus, so he can summon the armor with him, like, with uh, his mind, kind of, or, like, little... Which the, is cool. Yeah. Um, which I'll talk, again, I'll talk about the differences between extremists, like, at the end. Um, and there's a point where Pepper, he greets Pepper at the house right before the Mandarin attacks, and, um... He's in the suit, and you think he's in the suit, but he's not in the suit. He's in the garage tinkering, and that makes Pepper very pissed. Um, to the point where he's like, "I'm I don't know what to do with myself, and I've I, I'm just floundering over here." Uh, the, the 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 Mandarin attacks, and or the Mandarin's people attacks. Tony's house is completely gone, um, and uh, they capture. Uh, they don't capture anybody, but they think Stark is dead. But the Iron Man armor flies all the way from Malibu, California to middle of the fuck nowhere, Tennessee. Like, literally the yeah. middle of the fuck nowhere, Tennessee. And there is a reason for that. Uh, he was looking into uh, the extremist cases uh, that were going around uh, around the same time uh, concerning the bald dude that uh, is working under Killian. Yeah, he was basically like, okay, something's not adding up here because now he's invested. He basically becomes Batman. Where he tries to like investigate stuff, and he finds he channels detective mode from the Arkham games. Pretty much, but but he is now unfortunately the Mark Forty Two armor. By the way, remember that Mark Forty Two armor uh, is now irrevocable. Is is damaged beyond repair at the moment, and he and unfortunately he gets stranded at this little boy's house, and we get Iron Man and Iron Lad teaming up for a little bit. Um, to the point where Tony Stark gives the greatest fucking insult to a little kid I've ever heard. He says, yeah, dead Steve, that sucks. Don't need to be a pussy about it. Like, God! <laughs> fucking damn it. Um, which, you know, given the fact that his relationship with his dad, you know, yeah, it's coming from experience. Um, so Tony heads into town um, and he sees the same sort of uh, spot where another uh, extremist killer... A uh, bomb went off, or a person went off and killed a bunch of people. Um, and they find the mom of that soldier. Uh, and, and, and then all of a sudden, here comes a Department of Homeland Security officer who is extremely attractive. I thought it was Rebecca Marine Stamos for a minute, but it's not her. They have a fight to Yeah, which, she's, she's hot, but oh my god, she's hot. She's literally hot. Um, she's as hot as the Texas heat right now. Um, and... Um, Tony Stark has the brilliant idea of, I got an idea, watch this, and just runs through glass, which I always, <laughs> always crack up at. Um, we get a nice little, we, a lot of this action set pieces, and what I like about this movie, though, and, like, this is what the main criticism of this movie here is, like, there's not enough Iron Man. And, like, I kind of like Tony, like, 
figuring shit out for himself and not having to yeah. work. It, it's what makes him unique, you know? He doesn't need the armor all the time. To uh, me, Tony Stark is Iron Man, which is something that he does bring up at the end. So it's cool to see Tony Stark, the character, more active uh, as a character than Iron Man, you know? Yeah. Um, to which point, um, he ditches the kid, even though he said, but we're connected. Um, spoilers, we do see that kid at the end of Endgame, so that kid definitely left a lasting impersonation. I hope Stark get paid for like, his college fund or something. He probably did. Um, probably. And, uh, and <laughs> this should have been Spider-Man for all intents and purposes. Um, you know, I would think about it when he, when he started mentoring... Um, Spider-Man later on, do you think this kid had like that one moment in front of the odd parents where that one girl had a heart attack because like she did, they weren't she wasn't best friends with that one girl anymore? Ah! That either that, e- either that or that one Yu-Gi-Oh meme. It should have been me, not, not him. him. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so uh, Tony realizes like, okay, okay, I need to figure out where this fucker's coming from, and he he gets into a fucking van, and unfortunately a news van, and unfortunately the van is a super fan of his and. The, what are the fucking chances? The level of sort of like calming disarm <laughs> of Tony does. My favorite goes, Gary needs Tony and Gary needs Tony to be quiet about this. And like just just a simple like word play that he does to disable this this clearly super fan of him. So Tony figure Tony figures out like, okay, we can triangulate where, where the manner is coming from. And Tony's thinking North Africa. Uh, the Middle East, Europe, anywhere, right? Nope. He's in Miami, Florida, of of all fucking places. Of the most nefarious place on earth. Of course. Of course. Um and and so much so he thinks Jarvis is broken and he's like, no, it says Miami, Florida. Um so um Tony uh has another panic attack right before this, and the kid just says, and this might be okay. This might be the most tone death like thing to an anxiety attack where the kid just says, "Why don't you just build something?" <laughs> and granted, it's a kid, so it's 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 fair, but um, but it clicks with Tony, and he's like, "You're right, yeah, I I built shit," and he fucking turns into solid fucking snake, where he goes to a local hardware store. Solid snake, nah, man. He turns into fucking MacGyver in this True, scene. MacGyver's probably the more... He becomes Tin Man instead of Iron Man. Exactly. He loads up... By the way, um, I love how, like, the cashier just rings up, because I would have been like, what the fuck are you... And especially because it's, like, five in the morning, probably. Uh, what are you doing with all this shit? Um, but kudos to that cashier for not talking. Uh, Tony finds the house in Miami, Florida. It's a very nice house. And he raids it, fucking takes out all these goons like they're nothing with various homemade weapons. Very, very... Kevin from Kevin McAllister would be inspired, okay? Very much inspired. Um, he probably won't be one of his codec calls if he was the solid <laughs> sink of this universe. Probably. So, Tony busts into the room thinking he's found the Mandarin. And he sees two very gorgeous women. And out comes a guy who, who we have seen on the television... We saw him, and all of a sudden, number one, he's not talking in this thick accent like this, where he sounds intimidating. He, he sound. I thought I was doing Carl Sagan for a second. Um, he, he sounds you know, jolly good time, love. He's British, and we find out through Tony. And Tony just so I love. This is my favorite acting moment in this movie with with, with Downey Jr. He looks so pissed that 
the Mandarin, this guy that's been on television, who happy is in a coma be. He thinks it's Who this shot guy. a guy on live TV, by the way? Yeah, shot a guy on live TV. It's a little misnomer. I'm sorry for skipping over that. It's a lot to cover. Um, and it's just this goofball who's drunk, has probably on something, and... He's definitely on stuff. Definitely on something, and and it's just, just like a total glove, and you can just see that look of annoyance and anger in his face. It's just like, hurry up, come on, tell me the story, what's going on? And it's 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 funny, but it's also like, I remember sitting in the theater and went, no. No. Wait. But that's the... Like, I I thought it was a funny little twist, uh, not knowing anything about the comic. Yeah. So, I can understand your frustration it was, uh, uh, if you're a big comic fan. Oh, yeah. And people, some people are like, listen, be like me. Get over it. It's a funny, it's a funny twist reveal. But I definitely was, wait, but why? Why did you do, but it's the Mandarin, whatever. And and his name is Trevor Slattery. He's, he was a stage he was a stage actor. And he got hired to play the Mandarin. Um, because the real villain is Aldrich Killian, because of course it is. And the purpose of it is, as Aldrich Killian explains later on, is like, well, you need, you know, I, I, he, and then, as he tells Tony Stark later, anonymity is key. Playing behind the scenes, very much in similar to what Thanos is doing, kind of in the MCU now, uh, at least starting at this point. In that, when you get evil in the face and he name drops all these famous, you know, evil faces of the world, uh, Bin Laden, Gaddafi, Hussein, all this shit, you know, no one's gonna pay attention to the. And they kind of give it away a little bit, where you see like they saw the matches coming. And I could just see it as, okay, these white people are clearly using, funneling money into this terrorist organization. No, it's just a front for a fucking television show to promote the, uh, eventually promote, the goal is to basically get, promote this as a serious threat to the point where extremists uh, kill the president, so the vice president whose daughter is missing a limb, so she can use extremists to heal her missing leg and to get extremists into the market to make money and basically do what Obadiah State was doing in the first one and basically play both sides of the of the war on terror where not only is he funneling money into the war on terror to, to, to supply the evil, but he's providing the weapons. Uh, so pretty much wants to take up what Tony Stark was doing, or Obadiah Stan was doing in the first movie. Would you say that's fair? Yeah. I would say that's fair. I would also say that uh, I'm currently doing research on uh, biogenetics research uh, con- uh, since I'm writing the script for a Tekken 4 video. And, gotta say, eerily similar. Yeah, it's interesting enough. Um, and so, yeah, and that that's pretty much the plot of Iron Man 3. Um, unfortunately, Maya Hansen gets, gets killed. Um, by Aldrich in probably one of the more boldest moments because she threatens to kill herself and he just, instead of allowing her to turn extremist, um, uh, he just shoots her. And he's like, I don't fucking need her. I'm, I'm fucking this. Um, Vacancy is open. You can take your job now. Exactly. And the whole point is that they wanted to get Tony Stark to join AIM to help stabilize extremists and they kidnap Pepper because uh, apparently he was able to figure it out while he was in a drunken stupor. That's how much of a genius he is. Uh, and they kidnapped Pepper in order to... And put extremists in her, by the way, which is all kinds of fucked up. Um, and, and to basically motivate him to join AIM and to basically help fund his dual sides of the war on terror. Um, 
and uh, there eventually there's an attempt on the uh, the uh, the president's life, uh, a whole big action sequence of Air Force One. Um, I thought Tony Stark got Isakai. I love that bit so fucking much. <laughs> um, and it all leads to a climactic battle in a shipping yard with the president of the United States hanging, being hang up like strung up, um, like like right in the middle, ready to get burnt alive. And um, uh, and a whole fucking uh, Tony was able it summons a whole fleet of armor to um, basically deal with the problem. And uh, ultimately, the good guys come out. Uh, Aldrich Killians claims he is the Mandarin before getting knocked the fuck out and getting a missile kicked at him by Pepper, which was pretty fucking nice. Um, and the movie ends with Tony realizing that, like, I'm not my armor. The armor isn't Iron Man. I am Iron Man. I he he takes off the the the, ch- the chest piece. Um, so it's no longer yeah. He gets he finally gets the shrapnel out of his heart after five years. Yeah, he yeah. It, it, he's, apparently, he could have done it this entire time, but he just just holding on to all that baggage and then the combination of the Avengers and this. It's just like you know what? I think I think it's time. I think it's time, and uh, we will we leave Tony um, with um, with sort of like a. Uh, a completed um, like all right, I'm I'm at good with my life. I've I've done I've done a good amount, you know. He's doing better. He doesn't have an electromagnet in his chest anymore. He no longer has shrapnel in his heart that's threatening to kill him, and uh, he's a bit more stable since the New York incident. Yeah, yeah, he's he's getting better. Although it goes just wait for another couple of years. That'll all change. Yeah, just just wait till one, two, two more, three more movies where he fucks it up all up again. Um, yep. Yeah, it's just without Tony, you can't help yourself. Uh, but uh, let's talk about since we kind of talked about the new characters already. But let's talk about Tony Stark's character. What did you think about this approach? Because I was not expecting the PTSD angle in this. I was interested. I was interested to see how uh, Tony would handle uh, things after uh, the shit he saw in the Avengers. Like he goes through all the motions of. Uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and uh as someone who's gone through a series of panic attacks over uh in recent history i can definitely um i can definitely see that yeah and i I thought it really challenged him you know i thought it made him more of a full character he was still a wise ass you know which is which is great he but it made him for made him feel more human the fact that like he's dealing now he's dealing with external forces that are beyond his control um, and it's like, it was, it was, it's interesting because this arc doesn't stop here. It carries all the way to the end until, to Endgame, when, when you think about it. Um, yeah, it's crazy. That, that's how long this goes. Um, and, and like, it's, it's kind of in the background in his other appearances, but like, it's the, a lot of the reason is what we'll see in Age of Ultron of what he wants to do. Um, and of course, even, even, um, Civil War to a degree is fueled by, the battle for New York, but I definitely gave, I think it gave Downey Jr. to chew on a lot more than say just being like the charming wise ass. He was still that, but I think he had more more range and more stuff to play with. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are more layers of complexity this time around than say Iron Man two. Exactly. Uh, that being said, let's talk about the Mandarin himself, the fake one at least. Trevor Sattery, as played by Ben Kingsley. I need your impressions of both. 
his portrayal as the villain, the Mandarin, and as both as Trevis Tatsuri. Um, so right from the get-go, um, I wasn't expecting, like, a mega-terrorist villain in a Marvel movie, of all things, though I probably should have, uh, with, uh, the first Iron Man, in all honesty. Yeah. Uh, kind of hard to go from, was, like, evil space aliens to terrorist villain, you know, a little bit. Yeah, it, it is a bit of a hardship, but I think, uh, this would have, uh, pulled it off. Um, he was, he was threatening at first, like, it was legit scary, um, uh, but... Then we see his true colors uh, near the end of the movie, where he's just an actor and a gi- gigantic goofball at that. And it's like, okay, I can buy that. Yeah, um, I, I those, those attack ads and like again, I think a lot of that goes to Ben Kingsley's performance, where he just, even as an old man as himself, he comes off as intimidating as like very like you know I don't know if you ever watch like you know when you ever see like they would show him on the news. Of like um, you know those uh, jihadists who would want to you know death to America and all that shit, um, and and like that shit's terrifying. And like even though he's, I kind of wish he. My only nitpick is this is this is nothing it doesn't affect the film. I wish he would have done like in like in uh, like an Arabic or something to make it more terrifying. But I get why they didn't do that. Um, but like you know like uh, do you want to know the secret of fortune cookies? You know that like. That I have that's a meme to me now, but like that's that's scary. And in that moment where he has that scene where he has the the the, the secretary, the defense, the the uh, one of the like a high ranking official, right? Um, and he's like, if you do not answer this phone, Mister President, I will I will shoot this man in the head on live television. And then he does it anyways. The bastard. Um, Tyler, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, just making sure. All right, uh, sorry. Three, two, one. Uh, so I, I thought, but then at the same time, when he's Trevor, bro, and and this is after like an initial repeats, I could not stop laughing my ass off at his buffoonery. Holy shit! That that was that was a twist I was not expecting in the slightest. Because I'm expecting this big fight, you know? Because the Mandarin has like these rings on his fingers that can do magic shit. No, he's just a he's just a gumbus. Uh, that's all he is. He's just a dingus McPringus. Yeah. That's all he is. Yeah, but what, what did you think of his performance um, as Trevor Slattery? Um, I think he does a really good job as uh, both the fake Mandarin as well as uh, the bumbling goofball. Uh, ben Kingsley is a A class actor. He isn't called Sir for nothing. Uh, he bounces between uh, both roles uh, really well, and uh, his and as the goofball, it's just hilarious to see the juxtaposition. The juxtaposition. Yes, absolutely. Um, again, the the older I get, the more I soften on um, on. I've softened on it, and especially since we actually do have a Mandarin, or he's had a Mandarin. If you haven't watched Shang Chi. Um, so that that's kind of I think I think I don't think that's when I softened on it, but I went like, oh okay. I I think because I think in a future short they like acknowledge like no, there's an actual Mandarin out there. Uh, we we don't we, you know maybe as like a like we're sorry uh, kind of thing, but I, I, growing up uh, not growing up, but back then it definitely was pissed. But great performance overall. But what about the actual villain Aldrich Killian? Give me your thoughts on on Guy Pierce as this random dude. Uh, so Guy Pierce, uh, 
this is the only movie I've seen of him. And uh, as a villain in this movie, uh, I think he works really well. Uh, he starts out as an unassuming nerd with a crippling disability that's um, definitely left hung out to dry by Tony Stark. And uh, when we see him later, he rizzes the fuck up and becomes a gigantic creeper showing Pepper his brain. Uh, and as an evil uh, villain, um, I think uh, he does come off as intimidating and also sort of unassuming, like the guy behind the curtain kind of uh, person. And those kind of people are usually the scariest, and I think he pulls off that role pretty well. Yeah, he kind of feels like an 80s bad guy, you know what I mean, in the best possible way. Because yeah, and it, it also helps that it's in Miami, Florida. Um, but he has that suaveness of like I don't care attitude. I got this, you know. I, he kind of talks like this. Now listen, Tony, you could join me, or you know, I could just kill you, little pepper. It's it's like it's that calmness that he has. He's not the best villain I've ever seen, but like I like his demeanor. And then when he starts getting hot, is when he starts going full camp, and I love it. Yep, he goes. Uh... He goes full uh, cartoon villain as soon as he uh, turns on the heat. Yeah, uh, very again, very solid performance. Again, it's it's not obviously. It, I I don't think I think he's one of the stronger main villains we've had so far. Like I think I would put okay. This is gonna be bold. I would put him right next to Loki, considering this guy only has a one-off appearance. Um, just because the previous villains aren't exactly lighting up the charts. You know, Red Skull aside, you know? Like, if we say Red Skull, Loki, Aldrich Killian. That's kind of weird, but we're gonna go with it. Um, I'd say he's about tied with Obadiah Stane, but that's just me personally. Okay. I think he has more charisma than Obadiah Stane. I think I like him more. I'd say so. Yeah. Um, let's, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Let's go ahead and talk about that final um, site fight in the, in, the, in the construction yard. Not construction yard. Um, ship Depot. They learned their lesson from the Avengers and to make the these secret these sequences fucking bombastic as hell. Yeah, and what better way to make it big and bombastic than having a whole fuckload of Iron Man suits flying in and punching dudes? Yeah, I do remember they gave this away in the trailer, and I'm like, man, this. I think this is when they started doing that shit. They started showing stuff they didn't yeah. show in the trailer. Um, it would have been like because you get hints of it, like Tony's been building shit, and if you pay attention. Um, you know, like, okay, he's clearly working on something. Why is this called my 42? But it was, the best part is, uh, of that, of the entire sequence is Tony interchanging all the armors at once. Like, that's the coolest part. Um, and I honestly really like the Aldrich Killian fight when he starts fighting with Tony one-on-one because Tony is clearly outclassed in every way in that fight. Yeah. Like, he burn, he literally burns through a whole bunch of suits during this battle, and even though he thinks that he has uh, Killian uh, uh, put down, he just comes back like he's fucking Liquid Snake or something. Yeah, my favorite... There's a whole bunch of, like, close calls where, like, Killian slices the Iron Man armor in half, but Tony escapes with, like, a nanosecond. Um, or, like, he he's gonna fucking break his leg, but Tony bust out of the leg armor piece it like i love those moments because they they almost felt like wrestling inspired like those near near fall finishes where like it's just like, oh my god what's gonna happen next you know kind of thing yeah it, it leaves you guessing 
Um, it, it, it's, it's really good. Um, but also, it has possibly my favorite comedic spot in the, in the fucking movie. Where the Mark 42 armor is coming. It's busted. Tony's doing his superhero pose. And I'm ex- I remember seeing this back then. And I'm expecting the damn thing to come on it. You know, fight, you know, take down Aldrich Killian. And then it trips on one of the beams. And it just collapses everywhere. And Tony... God damn it, Mark 42. You've been breaking this entire movie. And Tony just goes, whatever, fuck this. Oh, it's so fucking good. Um, it's. I think my favorite comedic spot is uh, when they're apprehending the fake Mandarin, uh, and uh, it's just uh, two two women uh, in bikinis just playing ping pong, oh. and uh, they come in to crash in, and Tony in his armor with a car battery hooked up to him charging. He's like, he holds up a ping pong paddle, and goes, I, I get to play winner. <laughs> yeah. Like that was that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, besides that, or the East, or like, when, when, after they played, um, Barrel of Monkeys, which, god, I haven't heard that fucking name in so long, um, with all the, uh, the President's uh, Secret Service people and, like, uh, staff, um, I, bro, did you actually thought that was him in the suit for, like, a second? Did you, did you, when you first saw it? Like, legit, I did when I did, when I saw it the first time, and when I rewatched it earlier, uh... I kind of remembered that uh, it wasn't the case, yeah. But I was led to believe that it wasn't. Yeah, it's like, oh, that was close. It's like, Jesus fucking Christ! I was like, wait, how is he talking? Um, and then it's like, did they just kill him on screen? Ah, oh, man, uh, it's great. So um, let's go ahead. Uh, is there anything else you want to talk about besides uh, in terms of the main movie? I think we covered just about everything. Okay. Let's now. There is a post-credit sequence, but it, it's it's such a it's. I like it, but it's such a like. Wait, what? <laughs> um, kind of post-credit sequence. So Tony's narrating all this throughout the movie, right? He's narrating this this uh, this stuff, and you're like, who's he? And like, it could be just a movie thing. You don't know who he's talking to. He could be talking to himself. And finally, it gets back to the narration in the movie. And he's in a therapy session with a very mentally exhausted Bruce Banner. I'm surprised that he hasn't gone full hokey, hokey yeah, at this point he just, here he, in the story. Well, he falls asleep. He goes, did you just fall asleep on me? And, and my favorite line that Banner delivers here, or that, um, oh God, uh, that he, Mark, Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo delivers, he goes, I'm not the kind of doctor. I don't have the temperament. It's just like that... And then Tony starts again, and, and he's like, "God damn it!" Um, uh, they really bonded after that after that uh, wormhole incident. Um, but f- fuck, I again after you go, Thanos, Thanos is coming to Tony Stark talking to his best fr- one of his best friends on the couch about the movie we just watched. Who happens to be the strongest Avenger according to Tony? Yeah, that's probably why he says it, just to piss just because he's so close to him. Okay, so that's Iron Man 3. Um that is the end of Iron Man solo films. Um uh oddly enough, but is not the end of Tony Stark. No, he still appears in Age of Ultron, Civil War, Infinity Warning Game. So he still has four more movie appearances, but he does go away uh, for a bit. Um, you know, which kind of sucks. Uh, I know they were trying to make an Iron Man 4 for a bit, and it just didn't happen. 
So they just relegated to him being in like supporting roles, um, and paid him a lot of money to do that. Uh, which is hey, get your bag. Uh, but uh, Tyler, let's go to the uh, ratings board. How many fortune cookies out of five do you give Iron Man three? I will give this three and a half Doherty Explorer watches out of five. Um, I'd say this is a better put together movie than, uh, say, Iron Man two is. But in terms of like um, overall fun, um, I'd say it's still not as good as Iron Man one is. Um, in a post-Avengers world, this movie does work as, like, a companion piece. Uh, it does go into, uh, the evolution of Tony Stark's character a bit more, and it fleshes out some of the other supporting cast as well. The new villains are great, the Mandarin is a lot of fun. Um, it does drag a bit, um, for me specifically, uh, with the mystery, um, regarding Extremis, but, you know, it's all fine and dandy for, like, a standalone plot. Um, I, overall, it's a fine movie and a decent start to Phase 2. I'm going to give this 3.5 out of 5. Uh, I really, I still really enjoy this. I love the energy. I love Tony's uh, arc uh, in this movie and coming to terms with the fact that, like, um, you know, things get bigger. I remember being, like, back then I was like, well, where are the Avengers? The presence is under attack. Well, number one, Thor doesn't give a shit. Cap's probably on some secret mission. And, um, Hawkeye and... Pretty sure, um, Winter Soldier is happening around this time anyway. Yeah, that's, that's how I imagine. Like, their shit, their shit's going on, guys. They, they can't all group up together. Um, even though they think, you know, I, like, you would think they, but, like, it doesn't matter at this point, because everything's fine. Um, uh, but, like, as a post, as the first post-Avengers movie, it definitely felt different. Like, it did, like, like, in comparison to Iron Man 2. There, there was something unique that felt different about this movie. And even Aldrich Killian acknowledges it when he's just like, you never since the guy with the hammer fell out of the sky. Um, uh, but it's, 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 again, and also it's a top-tier Christmas movie. You can't beat that. Um, you know, very, very fantastic. Uh, great acting, as usual. Um, but, yeah, we're going to call it there, ladies, ladies and gentlemen. When we come back uh, for the next episode... We're going to go pay a visit back to Asgard as we go to, I think it's the lowest rated MCU film, uh, at least during the Infinity Saga. Going to the Dark World. Going to the Dark dark World. world. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, when we come back, uh, we will be reviewing Thor, the Dark World. Until next time, guys. Repulsor Blast! Wait, you're guilt tripping me, aren't you? I'm cold. I can tell. You know how I can tell? Because we're connected.